0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the last episode yeah. of the Cult Popcast. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: we made it. Yeah. We're here. Yeah. How do you feel, Steven? Weird. I feel weird. We just last night watched the. 2022 Academy Awards. I think they're coming up on a century now.
1: Yeah, I think this was the 93rd or something.
0: And it was a night to remember.
1: Yeah, as a production and having actual hosts, it was actually pretty good. I mean, apart from the last couple years, I think it was a more fun Oscars up until a point.
0: Apart from the attempted battery and sexual assault of uh, many male attendees, which is pretty incredible to watch. You know, all the women feeling up all the men. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine if the falls were reversed? I mean, you couldn't because it wouldn't happen. But yeah. It is an interesting double standard to think about. Whoa. That's something that struck me like afterwards. Because during, you're like, yes, this is so funny. These men are so hot. And Regina Hall's like, you know, like feeling them up, you know. That's and then crazy. afterwards, you're like, wait a second. She literally just sexually assaulted Josh Brolin and Jason Momoa.
1: Yeah. Wow. Well, it is what it is. Yeah. And then the thing that everyone's been talking about the next morning and immediately after it happened this egregious act of violence. Well, the violence in and of itself. You want to you tell them what it is really quick? <laughs> Will Smith. No, I'm talking about Coda winning Oh. Best Picture. That violence. It's egregious. <laughs> I'm joking. To end the night, <laughs> Coda won the Best Picture,
0: the Best Feature Film of 2021.
1: And if you go back and listen <laughs> to our Coda episode, You will hear Gabe ask me the question, what will you do if (laughs) if (laughs) Coda wins Best Picture? And I said, (laughs) we will never cover the Oscars again. And so... (laughs) Stephen's a man of his (laughs) word. No, I am. And this... So we, we might do episodes in the future, in the years to come, reviewing the Oscars show, discussing about who won, but... It's really sad. The thing that started this podcast, with us going through the best picture nominations, and we've done that every year since, is something we'll no longer do. So we'll still cover. I mean, yeah, we'll still go over probably best picture nominations just because we'll be talking about those movies. Just won't
0: be like an like an event.
1: There will not be a time where we sit down and try to cover the rest of the best picture nominations, working up to the oscar event the academy awards event
0: feels like a long time coming
1: and coda was the nail in the coffin for sure for this because it just it was not academy award worthy regardless of it being a fine film a fine film (laughs) no it was fine it was fine it was fine i was talking to ali from uh the here's our take podcast this morning oh yeah and i said can you believe coda won best picture and she's like i'll be first to admit She's like, I liked Coda a lot, but it was not worthy of an Oscar. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to quote you on that. Yeah. I'm going to shout you out. (laughs) You've been quoted. (laughs) And yeah, I mean, that's exactly it. It is a film that might be a good movie, but it just was the worst of the Best Picture nominations. Any of the other Best Picture nominations should have won.
0: Literally any of them. Yeah. Like there were 10 films up there. And if I was a betting man...
1: Well, and nine other ones that
0: were oh, yeah, yeah. that were
1: more deserving.
0: Total of total of ten, nine other films. If I was a betting man, I would have bet on any other film. Any other film. <laughs> any other, even Don't Look Up, I would have bet on. Yeah,
1: them. no, I 100% agree with you. But, and, that, and that's why this has led us to the conclusion that the Oscars not only do not know what they're doing, and uh, the way that the voting system works is weird. We should go over that again. But also the conclusion that... These awards are just irrelevant. And we've Gabe and I've known that for a long time. We've known that since we started the podcast. It's all farce. <laughs> yeah. But we it's it's been fun. Like yeah. it's been fun to try to follow. And, you know, Oscars still mean something at the end of the day in the film industry. It's like, oh, this film won an Oscar. Some people in the working industry will roll their eyes. Other people will be like, Oh, that's that's great. And they'll hire people based off of that mm-hmm. because it means you can make a good film or you know make money for a studio and and that's a big deal so but other than that these awards I, i disagree with maybe half of them some of them i'm like yeah that made sense
0: well you usually do
1: but anyway i so that is why we will no longer be doing an oscar push when it comes to oscar season on this podcast we're going to stick to cult and pulp things it's sad
0: something i feel like it is sad maybe it's just the changing nature of the media landscape of the last five to 10 years, but the Academy Awards really are just like a joke at this point in time, and it is sad. It's really sad. The broadcast itself is just so bad. There's like so many technical issues and stuff. It's shocking. The fact, I mean, even just the single thing, like they're cutting all these in, like important categories and dropping the reveals until, yeah. a, and, or like they're showing it, releasing it before the broadcast. Yeah. Like score and editing and stuff like that. I'm just like, what are you? What are you doing?
1: Major things, yeah. Sound in, fav-
0: in favor of all these other random gaffes. and you know some-
1: you know how important sound is to a movie. They already Ima- had- imagine <laughs> every movie is a silent film. Yeah, and then you decide to cut the sound. You, well, first of all, it's half you combine <laughs> you combine two separate sound categories into one, ah. which is an egregious act, and then you cut it from being broadcast altogether. It's absolutely disgraceful, honestly. Pretty Dis- silly. Disgraceful.
0: Yeah. So
1: so let's go over the Academy Awards. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's talk about, uh, you want to talk about the how do we get the nominations for the best picture really quick? Oh, yeah. Because we touched on that, but let's just...
0: I don't know if we mentioned it last year, but we touched on it two years ago, which is, and I actually don't know for sure if this is still how they evaluate best picture, but this is a special algorithm only used for best picture. And God knows why. It
1: doesn't make sense.
0: But out of these 10 films, all the Academy voters will rank them. Um, So it's like a ranked voting rating system. One through 10. One through 10. Like, for instance, Gabe would go Dune, you know, Power (laughs) of the Dog. All the way down, Coda would be 10. (laughs) Same for Steven. (laughs) True. Uh, true. And then what happens is when you turn your ballots in, a film has to win over 50% of the votes to be considered the best picture. So
1: 51%.
0: Maybe everyone votes for like Dune, Power of the Dog, Nightmare Alley. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of people are split on their first percent votes, so maybe Dune is like the top contender right now, right, in the voting, but it only gets 48% of the votes. That film, I think the last film gets tossed, but here's the kicker. So, like, maybe the film, like, realistically this year with the least amount of votes was, like, Don't Look Up, right? Don't Look Up gets dropped from the ballot, so now we have nine left, but the votes from Don't Look Up get applied, I think, to the second most voted film oh. according to the ranking system aggregate right that's insane so it's a really funky algorithm i i don't even fully understand it but this is typically how like um what we talked about two years ago how green book won a few years ago that's probably how green book won because it was like a lot of contenders or a lot of voters had it as their second place option so then green book gets artificially inflated to the mm-hmm. point where it becomes the the uh The choice with more than fifty percent votes. Yeah. And And that's not and that
1: process, that whole process where the first film gets dropped, could they go to the second film and the second film could get dropped if it doesn't reach fifty one percent, that process repeats until there's a fifty one percent majority. Yeah. So it's super backwards and weird and like I said, sort of disgraceful talking about disgraceful. That is Will Smith. (laughs) We haven't even gotten to Will Smith yet.
0: But here's the thing, though, is that we don't fully know what happened. (laughs) It it might not have been the algorithm that caused Coda to win from a second-place lurch, right? It it literally might have been, like, the first-place contender because the Academy... Super... This, for instance, I think Nomadland last year was the first-place contender, and I think a lot of Academy voters are just in that place where they're, like, they're really into, like, this kind of style of film because... CODA for me has a lot of those elements that Nomadland has, right? Where it's like middle America or like we're traveling into the like poorer parts and it's like this celebration of the working, like pull yourself up and like American dream style weird. I don't know. Is is that making any sense?
1: No, I, I, we talked about this on the CODA podcast. Yeah. But no, it makes perfect sense. It's, it's.
0: But that's why I think it might've actually been the first People
1: longing for. Sort of this feel good, idyllic, homegrown, yeah. kind of feel. But okay, think about think about the experience of watching Coda, and then think about your experience while watching Dune. Yeah, you're telling <laughs> me you think Coda is a more entertaining, proficiently made film than Dune.
0: 2021.
1: Yes. No, <laughs> and that, that is absolutely untrue.
0: Yeah, that's. What I mean,
1: yeah, Dune was a better made film, better cast, better score, better cinematography because it won cinematography, it won sound, it won like it, half won, it won editing. Yeah, Dune won the most out of everything. It was it broke the record for most
0: Academy Award wins or nominations and wins without having a best director. Yeah. Nod. Wow. And that's what clicked for me last night is that the best picture category. It is supposed to be a celebration of everything that makes cinema what it is, yeah. right? The co- the combination of all those things yeah. to make an experience, yeah. a cinematic experience that is like, that transcends, it is supposed to be like the greatest film of the year.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and, and you're and saying Coda, well, Coda <laughs> is better than Doom. It's
0: not just story. It's not just a single aspect, right? And I feel like that is completely lost and it has been lost for years now, right?
1: And it's really just a bummer. And that's why, once again, we will not be talking about and discussing... Uh, like I said, we might do Oscar episodes like this one, like a like an Oscar review episode. So that could be fun to just do that once a year. But, but we'll not be doing the push like we have been on this podcast anymore. Yeah. Or we're going to cover strictly things that make sense from us... Being cinema lovers, Mm -hmm. lovers of cinema, and also all the other media that we cover. But yeah, let's talk about the category. Let's talk about who won what.
0: So just going over them, starting somewhere near where the, uh, the Academy production would consider them the lower ranking awards, even though that's not true. Best sound, as Steven said, is Dune. Yes. Mark Mangini, Theo Green, a bunch of people got up for that award. Amazing. Just totally deserved. Yeah. Eyes of Tammy Faye took best makeup and hairstyling. Linda Dowds.
1: That makes sense. And company.
0: Best production design went to Dune. Patrice Vermette absolutely killed it. Very happy with that. Best short documentary was The Queen of Basketball. Ben Proudfoot accepted that. I don't think we saw any of the short documentaries. Film editing went to Dune. Joe Walker accepted that. He was a funny guy.
1: We watched, uh, if any of you can find this, there's like an hour long kind of interview behind the scenes where someone's interviewing a Joe Walker, uh, and he just talks about editing Dune for an hour, and it's freaking awesome. Yeah. So I'd say check that out. He seems like a really cool dude.
0: For sure. Costume design went to Cruella. Jenny Bevan accepted that.
1: Yeah, that was well-deserved.
0: Yeah, she's an industry veteran. Seems like a sweetheart. Cinematography went to Dune. And Greg Frazier. Greg Frazier. Amazing. That man is, is up and coming. <laughs> he just did the Batman. I can't wait to see what he does next. Batman is such a well-shot film. It's crazy. Yeah. That man has an eye. He has two eyes. Probably two. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say. Best visual effects also go to Dune. <laughs> Gerd Nefzer, Tristan Miles, several people got up for that as well. I have
1: to say I was bummed that Spider-Man... Oh. didn't take it but it was nominated it was it's good. cool that it was nominated but yeah sad to me because there was so much like de-aging work and bringing back old things from past films and a lot of cg work went into that yeah especially being shot during covid and everything pretty well
0: right. it would have been cool yeah. to see that win oscar winning film
1: <laughs> i would say that a lot of dune probably had even more practical locations or sets yeah and and less effects than Spider-Man did. There are more than likely a lot more visual effects shots in Spider-Man than there was in Dune. That's what I'm saying. Gotcha. Yeah.
0: The live-action short film went to The Long Goodbye. Riz Ahmed was involved with that one. I'm I'm not sure what that one was. Probably produced it. Uh, best original screenplay, Kenneth Branagh in Belfast. Yeah, there's there's your Belfast award. Yeah. It was, it was seeming like that would take it.
1: But. It's kind of crazy to me that like... I feel like uh, the Oscars is somehow a little bit maybe <laughs> rigged. Wow! <Well, laughs> because it's... because it seems it seems like every film had to win like something, whether it was like a supporting actress or or like an original screenplay or something. But like all the films that were encompassed throughout this year that were being celebrated so heavily throughout the, like awards season or leading up to, you know, the Academy Awards. Yeah like was represented and each person was respectfully, at least like each film was like kind of given an Oscar, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And it it seemed to cover all their bases. And I'm like, well, there's no way that like everybody, it's like everybody gets an award. Right. You know, this is an Oscar Oscar winning film now. And it's like,
0: it is sad to see how reliant it is on campaigning because for instance, like a 24. Yeah. Doesn't currently do a whole lot of campaigning for their films, which is why come on, come on. Didn't have any,
1: Nominations at all campaigning is actually a huge part of The awards season something we've never talked about really.
0: Yeah, it's all it's all a campaign
1: But it is a huge campaign like we're talking these Directors actors people they actually go to parties Leading up to
0: wine and dine
1: leading up to the Oscars for weeks in advance campaigning for essentially their votes the more likable a person is the more likely that person is to vote you know, if you meet like Andrew Garfield at like a party or something, and he's like super nice to you, you might be like, Oh, I like that guy. I'm going to give it to him, you know? And so campaigning is a huge part of it. They're whole team.
0: It is a whole production of, of people because I think Netflix was actually the team. Netflix stole A24's people, or they poached them, or they just got them to come over to their side. The people that would typically in years past have pushed for A24 nominations, which is why A24 doesn't, really do anything about it now. That's what I read. I don't know if it's true. Wow,
1: well, that's crazy, because I, I was wondering like why a film like Come On, Come On wouldn't even have been recognized or nominated, when I feel like that is super Oscar-baity.
0: Especially for original screenplay. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, and acting, and yeah, the story's great. Directing.
0: Okay, moving on from that, we got Best Adapted Screenplay, and that went to Sean Heater for Coda, which I don't remember if I knew it was adapted from like a book or something but it makes sense didn't
1: you say it was a french film
0: oh that's right it was adapted not from it was from a french film yeah i remember saying that because they used a lot of non-deaf actors for the deaf parts anyhow best animated short film went to the windshield wiper alberto Mielgo and company best documentary feature summer of soul which
1: was Questlove's project yeah uh that was trending really hard last night on hulu when i logged in I
0: don't think I'd even heard
1: about that film, but it looks really interesting yeah. about
0: Harlem and the music there. Yeah. And like, was it 69 or 79?
1: I, th- I remember seeing a trailer
0: for it a while back. And uh, his moment was kind of soured because that was right after, uh, <laughs> that was Chris Rock who announced that category after he was <laughs> sucker slapped by uh, I Am Legend. Okay. <laughs> International feature film, Drive My Car. Yep. Japan's Zone. See, that got an award there. Ryusuke Hamaguchi and the boys and the girls. Really well deserved. Best original score Hans Zimmer for Dune. Amazing. His only, I think it's his second uh, Academy Award win in his life, even though he's been nominated, you know, plenty of times. But that was cool. That was a tough category this year. Best supporting actor went to Troy Kotzer in Coda. He was uh, the deaf father. And that might have been one of the. Not just one of the better moments of the night, but his speech was, it was really touching. Mm-hmm. And he finished with crediting his father, who was also deaf, but I think became paralyzed from the neck down so he could no longer sign. And it was really sad, but he seems amazing. And what I found out today is that he actually played, this is relevant to our podcast, one of the, uh, the signing Tusken Raider in Mando Season 1, Episode
1: 5. I think I remember Bryce saying something or hearing something about bringing deaf actors to do that stuff. Probably. And then actually creating a new language, like a yeah. new form of sign language for the Tuscan culture, which is cool.
0: Yeah. There was that. That's awesome. Unexpected, but honestly, it was... That a- was
1: not unexpected. That was... Oh, was it? That was it? Hype Train.
0: Troy Kotzer really?
1: Yeah, it's great. I mean, I honestly, he was one of the most redeeming parts of Coda, so I give it to him. Yeah. Yeah, there was crazy like awards hype surrounding him
0: and uh, the mom. Moving... Then to the Best Supporting Actress, it went to Ariana Du Bois from West Side Story. She played Anita.
1: Yeah, there's the West Side win. She was great, yeah. I can't believe Coda beat a Spielberg film as well, and a Paul Thomas Anderson film, and Denny Vilna. Oh, my God.
0: Best Animated Feature, and Encanto. Yes. There it
1: is. Big happy. Big happy for Steven.
0: That one was expected. <laughs>
1: I was surprised Flea didn't win anything.
0: Yeah, it didn't did it.
1: Nor worst person in the world.
0: Best original song for "No Time to Die" and Billie Eilish and her brother Phineas, which beat out Encanto for that.
1: Yeah, that was really sad to be honest. Good song though; it's a nice song. <laughs> is it? I think so. I think Dos Origitas is. I think a, sending a much off
0: song, fifteen years of Daniel Craig with that number was pretty good. And I guess you have to evaluate like the context, right? You can't because obviously, as a song, it's so. Simple compared to what Encanto did. But with the context, it's pretty powerful, I think, which is obviously, like, it has to play a a part in the voting. You have to think in these people's minds. Again, remember the Academy and who they are. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and then Best Director. This was Jane Campion for Power of the Dog. And she is such a sassy girl. Yes. She's awesome. She got on stage right after Kevin Costner had this bizarre four or five minute ramble about... Super weird. I think, I'm not sure, but I think it was about... Directing. Yeah, but he started with a story from his childhood about how he became enamored with filmmaking or cinema or whatever. And when Jane Campion took the stage, she's like, something along the lines of, thank you, Michael, that was very dramatic. (laughs) She's so funny. Why did you say Michael? Or Kevin. I'm thinking, yeah. I think he's just been drinking the Yellowstone Kool-Aid a little too long into the night. He is actually a cowboy and his his mind is like there it's like in the hills <laughs> <laughs> but yeah jane campion hot off her little uh moment where she uh threw some shade at the williams sisters and her last best director uh anyway she's a character uh but but well deserved honestly i think you know and she was expected to win best picture but it did not go that way Best actress was Jessica Chastain for The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Yeah. What a transformative role that was. She was deserving for that. And then, of course, the best actor. We have Will Smith for King Richard. This is probably like 30 or 40 minutes after he open hand slaps Chris Rock on live television. <laughs> and that we'll talk about in a second, I guess. He might have to give his Oscar back. Did you hear that? No. No. Actually, we talk about that now because we already talked about the last one would be Coda winning Best Picture, and we've probably worn out that subject. But Will Smith, okay, let's talk about that for a moment. He got up there and had what I can only describe as a manic episode. Therapeutic manic episode. Like he was losing his shit on the stage. So real quick, to set the stage here for what became this climactic final hour of the production, Chris Rock got on stage to present I think it was Best Documentary. It went to Questlove's Summer of Soul. And he opens, as he does, with some jokes. His last joke was towards Jada Pinkett Smith, who he made some just, it was a super innocuous joke about uh, her shaven head, and he said something like, can't wait for G.I. Jane (laughs) 2, which is a 90s film with Demi Moore or someone. I, I, I don't even know. Camera pans to the crowd. Everybody is laughing. Even Will Smith is laughing. The only person in the crowd not laughing is Jada Pinkett Smith. She looks pissed. She is not happy. Camera pans back to, or cuts back to, Chris Rock. And the next thing we hear is him going, "Uh uh-oh. And Will Smith has now got up and he's walking forward. Will Smith's in the very front of the auditorium. He gets up onto the stage and he walks towards Chris Rock. Chris Rock doesn't really know what's going on. And it's very clear, at least to me at this point, that this is probably unscripted because of Chris Rock's response. Will Smith proceeds to, with a certain degree of force, open palm, (laughs) smack the shit. One single swing with gusto. He smacks Chris Rock, broadside. Turns around, adjusts his coat, walks back to his chair. Chris Rock is stunned. He is reeling mentally. He's like... He just said i just got will smith just smacked the shit out of me yeah will
1: smith (laughs) just smacked the shit out of me.
0: and then will smith proceeds to yell twice the second time louder than the first something like keep my wife's name out of your effing
1: mouth yeah uh and he is and chris rock in response is like at first he's like it was just a gi jane joke dude (laughs) and then and then the second time after will smith said he said i will or he said i yeah he said okay okay i am and then uh he sits
0: there for about 10 seconds. He's trying to process what has happened. And he then he goes- collects
1: himself for a second. It's then... like
0: he's, tr- it's like, so here's the thing about Chris Rock. He is a consummate professional when it comes to comedy. He's sure. probably been in the hot seat many times. Sure. He could have, if he hadn't been so stunned and simultaneously like like a good person, right? Yeah, like yeah. with composure, he could have annihilated Will Smith right there with comedy. Yeah. But he stood there, He took the. he took the slap which i thought was a punch at first <laughs> he took it and then he just goes well this is the greatest night of, of live television or something like that <laughs> yeah and then he proceeds to present the uh, the award and uh everybody's it's funny <laughs> we're looking around and lupita is sitting right behind will smith and she looks just super uncomfortable half the crowd doesn't know how to react because it first everyone's thinking it's a bit but it's clearly not a bit
1: a little
0: yeah, she's sitting right behind Will, and she's like super uncomfortable. I hope it becomes a meme template. Uh, anyway. I mean,
1: this thing has been memed to death already. Yeah, we're recording the the morning after.
0: Fast forward forty five minutes. Will Smith wins Best Actor. Yeah, and he is he melts down on the stage. He's crying. He's I, I haven't used the word blubbering in a while, but that's basically what he's doing. He's blubbering. It's not oh, the whole you know nine yards, ten yards, whatever. And he goes on this, this strange rant and they just let him go about, it's basically what I can only describe as a Kanye moment. It seems like he is suffering from some kind of bipolar megalomania and he thinks he has been bestowed with some gift, some destiny from God to be this, as he quotes vessel for love. And it is his duty to protect or to like embody something to protect his like people and his family and his cast and co-stars. Uh, It is just the most bizarre thing. Yeah. I don't know if you have his words verbatim.
1: No, I don't, but I want to show you this. Uh, There's this clip of this interview that he did with Good Morning America back in November. uh, Because he just released a book. And he talks about a lot of childhood trauma with his father. Abusive behavior. I think that a lot of that is some insight to what we're seeing in this person
2: he is revealing that the Will Smith we know is just a fantasy born out of fear and trauma in his childhood. And look, now with a new movie and a new book, he is finally, Will Smith, ready to introduce himself. There's a certain amount of protection that everybody does. We have a childhood trauma and we decide that's never gonna happen to me again. And in order to not experience that, it demands that we be a certain way. So this was the first time in my life where I felt like I had suffered enough to be able to have something valuable to say. My mother and I had never even discussed wow. my father you know being abusive with her. It was hardcore, man You are steadfast and strong as anything and calling yourself a coward mm-hmm. in this book still mm-hmm. to this day you no, consider yourself, you know that, or you, ba- you passed that. I always had this sense of being a coward Um, because I watched my father beat up my mother and I didn't do anything. For a nine-year-old, it's hard to break that programming. You mentioned a time, I think you were 13, Mm -hmm. that you said he he hit her for the last time, Yeah, and she left, is Mm -hmm. what you wrote, that you actually thought about suicide. My mind had twisted it into being my fault that my parents weren't, you know, staying together and somehow I had failed. That's the thing that you just never know what's going on in the, the, the mind of children. Were you ever worried that what you saw coming up in the house, you would become that? I always knew uh, I would never be physically violent, but there's a sort of covert emotional violence that can cloak itself in wow. jokes, stabs, and I had to get a hold of in that lane, that was was even hiding itself from me sometimes. Why are everybody so fascinated with what's going on with you and Jada? We are pursuing the kind of love that everybody dreams about. Mm-hmm. And we just know that the road don't look like everybody thinks it's supposed to look. But as uh, you know, don't try this at home, children. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you don't give relationship advice <laughs> necessarily. I don't feel like I'm uh necessarily uh equipped yet to give relationship advice next book <laughs> next, yeah, next book for sure I know. Right uh,
1: uh, will smith's book memoir there's a couple quotes he says when i was nine years old i watched my father punch my mother in the side of the head so hard that she collapsed i saw her spit blood geez. and he says that moment in that bedroom probably more than any other moment in my life has defined who i am smith wrote Uh, that it wasn't only the violence that traumatized him, but his own inaction of the face of it.
0: Well, I had no idea that Will Smith's childhood was so traumatic.
1: I just thought that it was interesting because, like, this has been addressed. And so not knowing Will Smith's background and, like, where he's coming from, all this stuff kind of is inside of him. Yeah. You know, just like it is with uh, Bill Cosby. Sure. I'm not saying he's Bill Cosby. And he did a bunch of stuff to women. It's 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 him feeling weak or him feeling like out of control or, you know, powerless.
0: Yeah, my man is not okay. <laughs> this is clear. Um, yeah, and I do know, I didn't know about his father, but I do know his, his relationship with Jada has been complicated, to say the least, yeah. over the years. I think it's been that way for a long time. Yeah. Well, I didn't know that she had cheated on him, and then he had an emotional breakdown on TV crying about it. Uh, but what I really didn't know is that they are, they dip a little bit into Scientology and they had set up a weird, like, school for Scientology that is like, it didn't last very long, but I don't know. The more you know, I just hope Will Smith can find some healing because his relationship with Jada is clearly not going to be the source of it. Uh, and it's really interesting to see last night his relationship with Denzel, and I think Tyler Perry as well, as I read, they kind of consoled him after his outburst. And uh, there's a strange thing that happens to a person when they reach a level of fame. And uh, it really warps their character. And again, I just want to say I think Chris Rock did absolutely nothing wrong. It's the comic's job to make the jokes. And we've had so much worse. You know, cut to Ricky Gervais for years just going, him. It was, he is literally, uh, so here's the only caveat with Chris Rock's bit, is if whether or not he had known that Jada Pinkett Smith had been suffering from alopecia, which is a an autoimmune disease, I think, where it causes hair loss. And that's why she had shaved her head, and that's why she had, she takes that stuff very seriously, which is why Will Smith probably felt compelled, because there's probably a lot of emotional turmoil at home because of her battle with alopecia. Yeah. So... That's obviously touchy. If if Chris Rock knew that, it's obviously in bad taste for him to go after the bait. Sure. But that being said, there's still absolutely no excuse for what Will Smith did. Getting up and assaulting or battery, whatever the charge would be, someone on live television. <laughs> it's so fun it's crazy. It's the it's the only thing people remember about tonight. People won't even remember that Coda won, best picture. It's always gonna be Will Smith's night. And these guys start on Fresh Prince together. I just watched a clip last night with Chris Rock in drag going out on a date with Will Smith in the
1: 90s. And I was like, holy smokes. Some great memes, though. You know, <laughs> great memes. It's like I said earlier, it's kind of sad because I think you're right. It will be the only thing that people remember about last night. But because um, it was actually a much better quality production than it has been in the past couple of years. And the three hosts were doing a great job as well, and I think that should be mentioned. I but I you know all of that is overshadowed by this super insane yeah display of stardom of uh-huh. like what happens when the star power
0: the Kanye effect
1: gets too big in your yeah. in your mind. Yeah,
0: I will say I did like Amy, Wanda, and Regina, particularly Wanda. But yeah, again, like I said in the beginning, they're all great. The whole objectification slash sexual harassment of the male attendees, was pretty weird in retrospect. True. And I could have done without that. <laughs> but otherwise, it was, like you said, I mean, compared to last year, which was uh, even more of a Linjian nightmare,
1: it's a brief <laughs> summary of your
0: 2022 Academy Awards. Is there anything else you'd like to? No. <laughs> oh. I will say the Twitter Awards thing was pretty hilarious. Army of the Dead got trolled to number one. And to see that movie there. Beating Spider-Man. Was, was the cherry on top, I think, of the night.
1: Yeah, that was another indicator of the digression of the Oscars and why we'll no longer be covering the Oscars. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just,
0: it's a joke. It, it's been a joke for a little bit, and now it's, it, that was the final
1: straw. <laughs> now it's actually a joke. Yeah, It was, apart from Coda winning, it almost could have been like a, almost like a redemption moment for the Oscars if it hadn't have been for the Will Smith thing. Yeah, I don't know. Because the production was there. Like, it felt like the old Oscars again for a second, you know? Yeah.
0: I think I've just finally also, besides everything that happened last night, I've just kind of had enough of
1: <laughs> Hollywood
0: celebrating their own. In the, But not just that. It's like Will Smith is a good example of this because he, his speech was about essentially like nonviolence and in, embodying love right after he smacked the shit out of Chris Rock. And he had a standing ovation. Everybody was cheering for this guy. Who needs to get mental help and honestly like be charged probably with whatever the corresponding offense is. But they're celebrating him. And uh it's just like I think the veil, the illusion has finally been just completely shattered for me. Because there's like we said, the Academy Awards, there's always been an amount of prestige. It's an institution and people still like not many people, but still like to uh, you know, gather around and like talk about this because it's like these are the these are the elites, these are the celebrities but it's it's not only it's is it a joke but it's just like it's really gross to watch that kind of weird hypocrisy uh at play you know and it it just does not just not leave me with a good taste in my mouth yeah so we're done with the academy awards and uh it is a day for history for this podcast that was brought into being by the academy awards
1: join us next time on something much better than the academy awards it's called euphoria oh yeah well i have a couple jokes
0: here to lighten the mood oh if that'll be okay because at the end of the day we have to laugh about what happened about coda or about oh it's all will smith jokes. Oh, okay cool courtesy of uh, the internet thanks internet congrats to coda big night for letting your hands do the talking Why did Will Smith use an open hand, Steve? I don't know why. Because paper beats rock. I'm sorry, that's (laughs) really funny. And my last bit, we have a new hit song after last night. We don't talk about Jada. There we have it. That's
1: hilarious.